your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is where we are going to be at uh, again today. We've been there for a month or so and uh, we'll be for a little bit longer, but we're going to be looking at uh, verses 19 through 27. Basically, we're going to start in verse 18. I know we finished with that verse last week, but these are really part one and part two sermons almost. And so there's going to be kind of a continuation. And so uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 18. Did Andrew, I was not able to hear the announcements. Andrew, did you talk to them about the insert in their bulletin about WCA? Did you speak to that some? Do I need to do anything more with that? Or is it done? Billings, it's done. All right. I like that when people get things done. So uh, the basic thing there is we are out of space at our Fifth Street campus. And uh, we have a little, we have some room here and in our uh, nine, in our, our 11, but not a ton of room. And so we're looking for solutions for that. We want everybody to be welcome. Did you guys ever make forts when you were little? Did you ever do that? We have one in our living room right now. This very moment, there's one in there. Okay, Romans chapter 8. That didn't work out like I thought. This was easier in my mind. It would take less time, too. Okay. Help! Why isn't this working? Like this, maybe. It's, you'll get the point. All right. We're going to begin in verse 18. <clears throat> For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he does for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Father, we need your help today. Um, We are so encouraged that your spirit is with us. Uh, We are so overwhelmed that you would live inside of us. And Lord, we ask that you would reveal the glory of Jesus, that you would open our minds and our hearts to know the riches of our inheritance in Christ and the hope that we have the immeasurable power that resides in Jesus. 
Father, make those things real to us today and stir our hope strong that we might endure patiently the struggles of this world. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, a little bit of review for last week, all right? So uh, last week we saw in verse 14 that those who are led by the Spirit, how do we know? How do we know if you're led by the Spirit or not? We talked about there's several different ways. The big way is to go back a verse into verse 13 where it talks about that if you uh, live according to the flesh, you'll die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. So how do you know if you're being led by the Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to be putting to death your sin, right? So if you see in your life that the Spirit of God brings conviction of sin, uh, He won't let you get by with living habitually in sin. If you see in your life that the Holy Spirit is continually showing you the glory of Jesus, the, the glory of truth, the glory of the Bible. Okay, If that's happening in your life and, and what you see by that is that you are, you are moving out of sin and into righteousness, not perfectly, but consistently God is doing that in you, then you are led by the Spirit of God. Now, if you're led by the Spirit of God, uh, the next verse told us you don't have a spirit of slavery, you have a spirit of adoption. There's something in you that cries out to your Heavenly Father. You cried in dependence and in need to your Heavenly Father. There's now an intimate relationship of dependence. You depending on God as your Heavenly Father. And it says if you have that spirit, then you're an heir. Okay, An heir is someone who inherits. But you're not just any heir. You're a fellow heir with Christ. Remember that? So, so whatever Jesus gets, you get. Okay, You share in all that is Christ. Why? Because uh, as, as Sam just demonstrated, whenever you're a believer, you are joined in union. You're tethered to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you repent of your sin, put your faith in Christ, you are forever connected, joined, in union, in Christ. He's in you, the Spirit of God living inside of you. There's a connection there. And so whatever Jesus has, you're going to have. So you're going to share His life. Now, part of what that means is right now you're going to share His life. Now, what does it mean to share His life right now? Lots of good stuff, but also some, some difficult stuff, right? Some trials, some suffering, some persecution. Verse 18 opened it up even bigger and saying not, not only are you going to suffer for Christ, if you're, if you're going to be a person who's moving the kingdom forward and you're actually sharing in Christ's life, sharing in His ministry now, there's going to be trials of that. There's going to be hard things that come with that. But also, because you're in this world, there's just going to be a whole bunch of hard things, all right? Now, is that bad news? Well, no, remember, uh, verse 18 last week, you know, Paul says, here, I've, I've done the accounting. I, I, I got on my calculator, I've done the accounting, and you add up all your trials, everything you'd ever go through for Jesus, you add up everything you're ever going to go through in a sinful, broken world, and it does not even compare. You cannot make a comparison. You can make a comparison between me and Tony, you know, as far as height. You know, it was clear, but you could still make a comparison, right? You, you can make a comparison between the Grand Canyon and my little canyon that I had last week. All right? You can make those comparisons. But Paul says the amount of glory that's coming, the amount of inheritance that's coming, the amount of good things that's coming for you is so great that you can't even compare it. Like, like you, can't, you can't even say, well, it's this much more because it's so beyond even comparison for anything that we might suffer in this world. So that was last week. Now, Paul continues that line of thought here in verse 19 where he says, "The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God." Now, Paul's basically saying, "What's what's coming for you guys is so incredibly good that all of creation." And this is a this is a really cool word. This this eager longing, it's a word that means to strain the neck 
And even, even one guy translated, and I think pretty fairly, to be on tiptoes, okay? You, you ever, like, like, something cool is coming down the street, and you're in a big crowd, and what are you doing? Well, if you're me, especially, you're, you're like this, right? You know, you're, what is it? What is it? You know, you're straining your neck, and, oh, you're trying to get a glimpse of it. You're trying to see, you know? I mean, we, when we were, Em and I were in uh, uh, England, and, and uh, we happened to kind of come upon the queen and all her entourage coming in, you know? And there's this big crowd of people, and, and man, we, you know, everybody's trying to get up there to see, you know. And fortunately, my wife, she's great at blocking out. She was never a black basketball player, but she, like, you know, moves in, and, you know, made a path for me. And, uh, and got, we got up there, and we're, you're straining to look, you know, and to see. Okay, that's that word. And so Paul is saying, man, do you, do you feel that? I want you to feel that, you know. I mean, so many times we come, you know, to church, we come Monday, Tuesday, and, and the way we see it is, man, I really got a bad deal, you know? I got a no good job or no job right now, right? A lot of people are suffering with that, and, and man, my family's in tr- trial and struggle, and I got problems with my marriage, probably, you know, and all that's true, and we're going to get to that. But man, what Paul is saying here is, what you have in Christ, and, and, and he knows that we can't get it all in our heads. That's why he keeps telling us, and that's why, like we looked last week in Ephesians, after he tells us, he's got to pray for you. You know, he's got to pray, God, please, open their eyes, open their hearts. You know, we, 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 don't, we, we don't get it all. We, we don't see it all. We don't, we don't comprehend it all. But he's saying it's so good, it's so good, that all of creation waits with this eager longing, this tiptoe, straining, looking, is it coming? For the revealing of the sons of God. You guys. For your revealing. Like, what he's saying is, all creation can't wait to see what you're going to become. That's what a revealing is, right? It's like when you, you know, Christmas time. The big box that you just can't figure out, you know? And it's like, what is it? What is it? What is it? You know, and you can't wait to tear that open. I, I've taken my wife on a couple of trips where she didn't know where we were going, you know. And it surprised her. Get in the car. Let's go. I got your bag. You know, here we go. Where are we going? Where are we going? I hold out as long as I can, you know. And then the big reveal, you know. Fort Supply. No, no, not really. Yeah. It was good. It's, uh, I, don't do that if it's a letdown. That's works backwards. So revealing. Look what's happening. Right? And so here's what Paul is saying. Hey, the world has no idea. The world has no idea what you guys are going to be. Like, it's too good. Does that make sense? And, and the lost world doesn't get it at all, okay? But even creation, all of creation is straining to see, oh man, what... God's, he's, we saw glimpses, we, we see what he's doing, we, we can't wait to see what it's going to be. What, what, what are we going to be? Well, uh, man, we don't get a lot of specifics. Let, let me just throw out some verses and, and just kind of give you some vague concepts of what's going to happen when Jesus comes back for the born-again believers. So 1 Corinthians 15, 35 says, but someone will ask... How are the dead raised, and with what kind of body do they come? See, that's the question. Like, okay, what's going to happen? You know, when I die, if I die in faith, if I die in Jesus, if I die tethered to Christ, what's, what's going to happen? What's that going to be? You know, verse 36. 
You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Verse 37. And what you sow is not the body that it is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. All right, so you have a little piece of wheat. You guys are familiar with wheat, right? A little piece of grain, a little seed, okay? All right, when you put that in the ground... Okay, does it come up a little seed? No, no. like it, it comes up something else, right? You know, it's a little bitty seed, but then when it comes up, you know, if it's been a good year, been lots of rain, you might, it might be this tall, you know? And it might have a, a, a big head on it and a, and a beard and, and, and all the little kernels and the chaff and, and all that. It, it's something different. A little piece of corn, you know? A little piece of corn, that, that might be, you know, if it's, if it's engineered right, this tall, you know, with big heads on it. If it's in Guatemala or India, it's like 10 foot tall with a little piece of corn, you know. But it, it's, it's something drastically different, right? Okay, that, so that's his point, right? So what's going to go in the ground, this carcass, it's going to come out and it's going to be drastically different, Okay. Again, you're like, oh, I was wanting this specific. Sorry, you're not getting any. You know? I mean, creation is longing to, to get a hold of what you're going to be. Let's keep going, though. So, verse 38. But God gives it a body as He's chosen, and each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind of humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies, earthly bodies. The glory of the heavenly is one kind, the glory of the earthly is another kind. Go down to verse 42. Look at this. So, it is with the resurrection of the dead. A couple more vague. Okay? What is sown perishable, what goes in the ground is going to be perishable. What is raised, imperishable. So what are you going to be? Whatever you're going to be, it cannot die. Right? We sing that, don't we, Michelle? One with himself, I cannot die. Alright, what else? Verse 43. It's sown in dishonor. That's true, isn't it? That's why we have funeral homes, right? Because usually what, what dies is not pretty. Right? It's, it's gotten old, it's gotten diseased, it's been an accident. You know, it's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. Glory. It comes up in glory. It's sown in weakness. Raised in power. Sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. Matthew 13, 43. Another vague says, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Here's one of my favorites. is 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 2. I don't, I don't have it marked. I don't know if I have it on the screen. I do have it on the screen. Man. All right. Um, verse John, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. We don't know all the specifics. Creation straining, waiting for it. But we know that when He, Jesus, appears... We shall be like Him, because we'll see Him as He is. Remember, that's one of the core beliefs here at Lincoln Avenue, is that we grow spiritually by seeing the glory of Jesus. That's what 1 Corinthians 3, 18 tells us. We grow by by seeing the glory of Jesus. And so when He comes back and we see Him face to face, bam, explosion of transformation. And we become like Jesus. Now, again, what is like Jesus you know, well, we know from Jesus' resurrection, the old hymn was still recognizable, okay? But not, not, not completely, it wasn't the same, you know? Because he'd be walking with people for miles on the Emmaus Road, and they didn't get it, or, you know, Mary thinks he's the gardener, you know? But all of a sudden, he, like, speaks to them, like, oh, Jesus, you know? And so, so there's something there of the old enough to recognize, but it's new. 
Okay? What else we know that, that uh, uh, he had a physical body. He had Thomas touch it, right? So it's physical, but yet it's different. Okay? We, we know he ate. He, he's cooking fish on the, on the shore of the lake. Okay? He's cooking fish, and he makes it, and he eats with them. So come sit down with me. We, we, we met him in the, in, the, in the upper room, but he didn't use the door or the window. You know, I mean, that, your body can't do that now. Do we need a demonstration? We can call on someone, you know. Uh, you can't go through, right? So what are we going to be like? We're going to be like Jesus. All right, so verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Now, what Paul tells us here is that part of the reason that the creation is straining to see, man, what, what, what's the sons of God going to be is because with our redemption comes the restoration of the world. Okay? So the, the world is, is broken now. So verse 20 says, creation was subjected to futility. The word futility means purposelessness. Okay? Frailty, decay, um, without success, unable to achieve a goal or a purpose. Okay, now, who subjected it? Well, actually, it, it's kind of a funny answer because it's, it's we did, but really God did. Okay, so, so notice in, at the end of verse 20, it says, um, the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Okay, now, who caused this whole thing to break? We did, okay? But, but it was God who, who cursed the earth after sin. So, go back to Genesis. Let me, let's just review this real quickly so that verse makes sense to you. In Genesis 3.17, after Adam and Eve fall, after they say, God, we don't trust you, we'd rather listen to the snake than you, we don't believe you have our best interests in mind, okay, so they fall, and then verse 17 says, and to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the, the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it, cursed, see that word, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring for you. And you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat of bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust, for you are dust, and to dust you return. All right, and so, so what happens there? Well, mankind falls, disobeys, rejects, and so they've got to leave the garden. You know, they, they can't live in perfect fellowship with God in the garden anymore because they're, they're sinners. Okay, and so... So everything's broken. They've got to leave. And now, now the earth is cursed. And God did it. But God did it in hope. Okay, that's very important. Paul's going to come back to that. He did it in, in hope in, in the sense of he's looking ahead to a marvelous redemption. All right, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that everything around us is cursed. It's corrupted. Remember that word? We've seen it in several other places. It's going from better to worse. It's it's. It's, verse 18, it's, there's suffering. Verse 20, there's vanity. Verse 21, bondage. Verse 21, decay. Verse 22, pain, groaning. Okay? Verse 22 says, the creation itself has been groaning together. All right, what, 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 is, what does that mean? It means that our whole world is broken. Now, one of, let's just pause right there. One of the important things for us to remember there is that it's not just you. Okay, now how many times... When you go through something horrible, do you have the feeling, this is just me? Like you look around, like everybody else's life is great. Mine. Mine is, is terrible. Okay? That's actually not true. Okay? I, I know it feels that way. Okay? But, but, it, but it's, it's not true. Um, it's not true that you're the only one with a difficult marriage or self-destructive kids or a body that's breaking down or loved ones that's been lost. 
Okay, Paul says all of creation is, is broken, it's, it's futile, it's corrupted, it's decaying. There's pain and evil and wrong and injustice and corruption. Everywhere we look, our world is broken. Now, now the reason I'm laboring just a little bit here, we're going to move on quickly, but uh, the reason is this, this helps answer the why question, right? I mean, whenever you suffer, what, what's right behind that? It's, it's the book of Job, right? Why? God, I cannot figure this out. Why? You know, and, and sometimes there is a just kind of a specific redemptive reason like in Job, but Job actually never finds out, right? But, but we know from reading, you know, what's going on in the heavens, okay? But, but overall, we live in a cursed, broken world. It's not our home. This is not the end. Don't make this your heaven. God's telling us that. You know, even, even beyond the why question is the even more why me? Because a lot of times it's like, well, I understand, but why me and why not the Dirks or why not the Dostal? Why not the Williams? Why not the Castor? Why, why not somebody else? But in reality, as, as we look at what Paul's saying here, it wasn't just you, right? It may have been you today, but it was a whole, other, a whole bunch of other people yesterday. There'll be a whole bunch of other people tomorrow and a whole bunch of other things. Because we live in a broken world. Now, creation is groaning, but it's a specific type of pain that Paul's very clear to point out here. Verse 22. If we note the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Okay, now that, that changes things a lot, actually. Okay? There's, there's a lot of difference between the pains of childbirth and other kinds of pain, right? Isn't that true? Like I, somebody I read had the illustration, of, you're walking down a hospital room and you hear a woman crying out, like wailing and, and moaning and, 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 and crying out in pain, okay? If you find out she's having a baby, that's different than if she's dying, correct? Right? It changes things, just even, right? I was asking my wife, well, we talked about this last night, I was just asking her a bunch of questions and, and you, know, you know, it's funny that um, when I think back to our five kids, she was always, even after the first one, you know, you can see the first one, like, you don't know what's going up, you know, but, but after that, you'd think, okay, I'm learning my lesson here, you know, but even, even the second and third and fourth and fifth, you know, she, she wanted it to come, you know, she, she wanted labor to, she was, in fact, we had to walk, every night to get home, we walk around the block, walk, 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 walk you know, she's ready, you know, she's ready for labor, you know, right? and, and I asked her, I said, Has, have you ever had a worse pain? She said, not really, no. Not, not, not physically, no, I, I, I've not had a worse pain. And she's had several knee surgeries and other surgeries, and, and, but she said labor is the worst. But, but what she said was, she said, I've had other pain that was more difficult to bear because with labor, and this is really important, you're accomplishing something. Does that make sense? Right? So that's why Paul uses that. Okay? Yes, our world is broken, and yes, we're suffering, and yes, we're all in this, this, this cursed thing together, but, but it's, it's moving toward something glorious. Emma told me, she said, with every contraction, she would tell herself, this is one step closer to the baby. She said she would even tell herself, this is my friend. You know, this is my friend. This, this is, this is bringing, helping to bring about life, a, a daughter, a son. Okay? The struggles of this world are bringing us one step closer to glory. To the restoration of all things. With every heaving and every turbulent upsetting of our world. It's, it's just 
one more labor pain, bringing about this glorious restoration that all the creation is on tiptoes to see what's, what's coming. We talked about this last week. Your suffering is accomplishing something. I think specifically, last week we looked at instances where it's actually accomplishing your glory. You know, the 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 passage talks about, you know, the, the stuff of this present time, the, the trials of this present time, is producing a weight of glory. And, and I take that along with other passages to mean that, you know, as you endure things for Christ, your capacity for glory grows. I'm convinced of that. I told you last week. But, but even on a large scale, you know, even, even when you, you turn on the news and you see our political system and it makes you want to cry, you know, it's, it's a labor pain that's bringing about this coming of the redemption of all things. All of it, all the pain as we cling to faith, all the suffering, the persecution, the sickness, the broken bodies, the declining health, the natural disasters, the wickedness world, all of that, all of that, all of that, bringing about, verse 23, notice what it says, the redemption of our bodies. Now let's read verse 23. And, and, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we eat, wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now hold on. Up earlier in verse uh, 15, it's, it's said that we've, we have the spirit of adoption. We've, we've already been adopted, okay? And, and, and we'll make some distinctions here in a minute. But, but what I want you to focus on is what he's specifically talking about right there is the full redemption of our, of our bodies, okay? So, so if you know Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Savior, okay, you're connected to Christ. If you've repented of your sins, but your faith in Christ, you're joined to Him, you're tethered to Him, you have forgiveness, you have, you have justification, you, you have the Spirit of God indwelling you, you have all of that, but, remember Romans 7? Who remembers back, back that far? We're still in this old flesh, right? And this body is inclined towards sin. It's out of alignment. You let go of the wheel and it goes in the ditch every time. It, it's inclined towards sin. It's broken. That's, that causes that war of Romans 7 where, where we do the things we don't want to do and we, we don't do the things we do want to do. And here's what Paul's saying. This is not fit for heaven. This is not fit for the new heavens and the new earth. I can't take this carcass to the new heavens and the new earth. It doesn't work there. It, 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 I, 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 I need a new body that's fit for heaven that's fit for the glories to come, that's fit for the presence of God, that's fit for, for the capacity. I mean, this body can't handle. Do, do you notice that everywhere in the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, whenever someone comes in the presence of God, they can't see. Remember Moses? Moses, great godly guy, right? Could he look at God face to face? No. God said, you can't do it. It'll, it'll, it'll kill you. So I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll pass by. I'll take my hand off and you can see my back. But you can't see me face to face. Right? Why? Because Moses is still in this, this old, unredeemed humanness. Okay? And so, so we need new bodies. And so verse 23 is talking about what's coming yet. There, there's more salvation to come. We've got to be careful how we talk about this. You know, uh, you, you're, you're saved all that you'll ever be saved, okay, in the sense of your spirit, okay? But it's not all complete. Like you haven't got everything yet. And so what are we doing? We're waiting eagerly. You know, the whole creation has been groaning together in the pain of childbirth until now. Not only that, the creation, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait 
eagerly for adoption. Okay, now, all of this is culminating, come together, in verse 24. For in this hope we are saved. Now, hope that is is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Okay, so at the core of our salvation is, is this hope of what is coming for us. All right? What, what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross, okay? We look back for that. Okay? Let, let's, let's think of it this way. So we look back to the cross and, and we believe and we trust and we cling and we hold on to the perfect life of Jesus and His substitutionary death for me. Okay? We hold on to that for our salvation. We look back. We cling to that. Okay, so whenever I sin, what am I doing? I'm going back to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. You lived the perfect life in my place. You died for my sins. You know, this is paid for. God, give me power not to sin again. Change my heart, change my mind. Right, we're looking back to the cross, okay? But what what Paul is trying to get us to do now is shift this way and begin to look forward into what Christ will do yet. Okay, this is all he's already done, but there's more. There's more that's coming. And the more that's coming fuels and makes up our hope. Okay, and, and where Paul's going with this is this is why we can suffer in joy and in confidence. He's saying if, if you're struggling with trials, if you're struggling with temptation, then you need to build up your hope. Your hope needs to be stronger. Okay? Okay, this, this kind of hope is why we ought to be able to tell ourselves no and deny ourselves and take up our cross. This kind of hope is why we ought to be able to be, we able, to be able to endure Difficult things, knowing that Christ has something better. Okay? The Christian life is fueled by this confident expectation of good things to come that is hope. All right? Now, let, let, me, let me show you just briefly how faith and hope are, are kind of connected, okay? So, Hebrews 11.1 1 is kind of a great definition of faith. And it says, now, faith is the assurance of things, what? Hoped for. Right? And, and, and it's the conviction of things not seen. All right, so, so that, that actually goes both ways, okay? Faith is, I'm believing in, I can't see the cross, but, but I've, I've heard, I know, I've been told, it's in the Bible, the Holy Spirit bears witness inside of me, and so I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that Jesus died for my sins, and that He lived the perfect life, and that God has enabled me to be joined to Him by faith, so that all that's, that's His is mine. Okay, I'm, I'm able to believe that, but, but faith also is the assurance of things hoped for in the future. Okay, these go hand in hand. Verse 6, And without faith it's impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and then notice this, that He rewards those who seek Him. What is that all about? That's hope, right? right? My faith is, is dependent upon me being convinced. Oh, there's, I'm convinced, I'm totally convinced there's great things coming around the corner for me. Okay, those go hand in hand. And hope is this powerful weapon against temptation and against giving up. All right, so let me try to... Man, I'm really... This should have worked better. You're not supposed to be able to see inside here, okay? I think it's all twisted up is part of the reason. Okay, so let's just... And it's sewed and it's not what I thought it was. <sighs> it's disappointing. All right. Okay, so, 
Alright, so, I am tethered to Jesus. We don't have time to look at this passage, but you look it up later. It's in Hebrews. I think it's Hebrews. Ah, I'll look it up during the invitation. It's in Hebrews, but it says that our hope is connected to Christ. Who is where? Do you guys remember that passage in Hebrews? It says he's, he's, at the, he's at the throne of God. Okay, so I'm connected to Jesus. Okay, the throne of God. Okay, so... Connected to him, where's he at? He's the throne of God. What does he have? Everything. Right? So it's all mine. Okay. Now, now notice what uh, notice what verse uh, 23 says. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Okay. So, here's me connected to Jesus. Okay. And what do I have here? I have the first fruits of the Spirit. Okay. Now, now what is that? Well, God's already given me. The indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Okay, that's all of chapter 8. has been hammering that to us, right? And so what do I have? I've got forgiveness. And I've got justification. And I've got a right relationship with God. And I've got a changed heart and a changed mind. And I don't want to sin anymore. And the, the Spirit of God has enabled me to experience these glimpses of righteousness and fellowship with God. And so, so in a real way, I have, what does Ephesians say? I have the down payment of my inheritance. I've got the first installment. In the Holy Spirit. And this is stuff that we're, we're experiencing now, right? I'm a different guy than I was in 1990. Why? Because of the first fruits of the Spirit. You know, I've got joy that I never had. Why? First fruits of the Spirit. I, I, I genuinely am convinced I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I, I, don't, I don't bear the weight of feeling the judgment of my sins. Why? First fruits of the Spirit. Okay? So I experience this stuff. Okay? But beyond this, Okay, the tether goes on into the, the throne of God where Jesus is. Okay, now there is my coming inheritance. This is what all the world is is is, is tiptoeing, you know, creation, all of it, trying to see into, but we can't see it all. And we know that, oh, it's gonna be good, and oh, we're gonna be transformed, we're gonna be like Christ. Oh, oh, the inheritance, we get remember, we get the whole world and we get God, God Himself. Psalm 1611, fullness of joy, pleasure, it's all there. Okay? So that's all coming. That's all. And my faith, it only looks back to the cross and, and, and gives me assurance of this that I can experience, but also looks ahead in this mountain of hope for what's coming. Now, how, do, how does that play out in my life? Well, it should play out, first of all, like, like this. Temptation. What's temptation going to do? It's going to offer me it's going to offer me a whole bunch of empty stuff, right? Okay, so so temptation is uh is over here and it's just got paper, okay? Nothing substantive. It's over here and it's offering me, "Hey, Jason, you want life? Here's life, okay? Hey, Jason, you want you want comfort? You want to be somebody? You want to stroke your ego? You you want all this stuff?" And it's offering me this. Okay, and, and I'm drawn to it. Why? Because of this old, unredeemed humanness. Okay, but by faith, I ought to be able to look this way. First fruit of the Spirit. That let me know I'm being led by the Spirit of God. He lives in me. If He lives in me, I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir with Christ. All of that is coming, and I don't know all that it is. But I'm so convinced by faith of His character and who He is that I know it's beyond anything in that bucket. It's, it, it, it goes, and so this, is, this is the way believers don't sin. 
Do you get that? You're, you're, you're tempted. You're tempted sexually. You're tempted with finances. You're tempted with pride. You're tempted. And the believer is able to say, it's empty. Jesus said it was empty. And all oh, this is full. I want this. How else does it help us? Well, it helps us with, with perseverance. Do you, do you notice? Verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. It's a word that means endurance, steadfastness, perseverance, holding on. So now, let's change it. Now it's not temptation. It's your tether to Christ and you're just getting the snot beat out of you in life. Trial after trial. Wave after wave of suffering and disappointment and loss with this life. Which really all makes sense, right? Because it's not our heaven. This whole thing's broken. It's all corrupting. Okay, now what happens when those waves come? Sometimes we get discouraged and we, we, we get ungrateful and we start thinking God's not giving me nothing. And that's when it's real easy to just quit, right? And what, what's he saying? No, 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 no. We, we wait for it. Our hope, our hope causes us to wait patiently, eagerly, tiptoes. No, no, no. What, what I've got coming is worth it. That's what, that's what verse 18 was saying last week, wasn't it? I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's be to reveal to us. Let's see how it'll break down on the side of the road. By the way, since we got our new vehicle, that has not happened very much. You know, it used to be like a weekly thing. But anyway, so, yeah, Emma said, don't jinx it. Now it's over. Okay. I'm broken down on the side of the road. But here's what I know. My good friend says he's coming to get me. And, and, I, and I trust him. I have faith. I know his character enough to know he'll do what he says. And, and not only that, but he's told me he's coming with a really nice truck and a really nice trailer, you know? And we'll be able just to get that right up on there. And, and he says, hey, by the way, I swung through Sonic, got you a, a large Diet Coke and a large milkshake. And by the way, after we drop your car off, I swung by and I got your mountain bike. We're going to go mountain biking after we drop your car off at Palomino to get it fixed. You know, if, if, I, if I'm convinced that this guy's not a liar, I said, I'm waiting there for my car. Here comes a hitchhiker. He's walking up on me. He's like, hey, buddy. I'll tell you what, I'm feeling generous today. I'll help you push your car 10 miles into ceiling. I think I'll wait, man. Thanks for the offer, you know. I appreciate it, but I'll, I'll wait. I, I, it's, it's okay. I don't mind waiting, you know. I, I got something. Thank you, though. Thank you. But no, no, thanks, you know. Stick around here. We'll give you a ride. But no, no, we're not pushing, okay. A wrecker comes along. He's like, man, if I got a deal for you, for $299.99, I will tow your car, you know, into the mechanic. Now, nah, it's all right. That's all right. Not even tempted, actually. Not even tempted. It, it's okay. Thank you for stopping, but I, it's okay. I'm going to wait. Okay. Do you see how that's easy? Were either of those even like 
Maybe I should do that. No. No. Why would I do that when what's coming is so much better? And so, why would you take the bait? Well, why? Why would you give up? Why, why would you throw in the towel? Why would you? It's not worth it. No. It is more than worth it. That's what Paul is saying. Okay, but, but, here's the argument. I can't see it, Pastor. I can't see it. Well, what does he say? Verse 24. For in this hope we, are, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. In other words, Paul's saying, don't worry, you're not supposed to see it. That's part of this faith thing. Remember Hebrews? Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So you, no, you, you, you can't. You don't have it yet. True, you can't go and, and you know, play with it and, and, you know, explore it. Not yet. But faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You see, your, your confidence in Jesus is the seeing. Seeing with the hard eyes. And, and, and by the way, and I know he doesn't say this, but he implies it in verse 23. We have this too, right? This is our assurance. Remember, if you're led by the Spirit... Man, if you, if, you, if you see the Holy Spirit working in your life, man, I'm telling you, every time I want to be angry and bitter and in sin, and God just will not get off my back about it, you know? And just the longer it goes, the more He pushes. You know what that is? I mean, it's conviction that leads to killing sin, but it's the assurance of things hoped for. And you know. All right, God's not... It's real. It's real. I'm led by the Spirit. If I'm led by the Spirit, then I'm, a, I'm adopted as a son. If I'm adopted as a son, I'm an heir with Christ. If I'm an heir with Christ, then I share all that He has. And all of that is coming for me. So, so hope does two things. Let's just review two things. Number one, it pushes us forward through struggles. It gives us that it is worth it. We know it's worth it. Secondly... It causes us to wait on the Lord and turn down the empty offers of the world. Every time the world offers you something that's against God's plan, you say, no, you know what? I don't trust you. I, I trust who's coming. I trust what he's bringing. I want life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 helps us here. So Peter says this. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. And then I like this phrase. Set your hope. Okay, Some of your Bibles may say, fix your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter's saying essentially the same thing. Okay? He's saying, man, you've you got to get ready for war here. Okay? You've got to get ready for the spiritual battle. You've got to get ready for temptation. You've got to get ready for perseverance, not giving up. What, what, what's that mean? You've got to fix your eyes, set them on the hope that's coming. And... By the way, notice the result of that. Next verse, verse 14. As obedient children, it's going to lead to obedience. 
Don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. It's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to you turning down the offers of the flesh. Verse 15, but as He who called you is holy, you be holy also in all your conduct. It's, it's going to result in practical holiness. Now, is all of this hard? Yes. And we do not have time to go into the rest. We'll come back to it later at the end of, of Romans uh, 8. At the end of Romans 8. But look, look, just, just as a taste, okay? Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Man, if you're sitting here today and you're just like, man, I've wanted to quit a hundred times this week and I took an offer of the world and I'm all under conviction and I'm repenting today and I'm, but I feel, I, I just, I'm too weak. Man, how encouraging. The Spirit of God is interceding for you. You don't even know what to pray. You don't even know what to ask for. But the Spirit of God is interceding and He's helping. Part of what He does, we learned this, is He's, he's showing you this stuff. Over and over. He's showing you the glory of Jesus over and over. So that you'll be strengthened in your conviction of what is coming for you. Folks, you need hope. Hope fuels your Christian life. Hopeless Christians do not fare well. You need hope. Father, help us. Lord, help us to fuel our hope by fixing our minds on on the promises that you've given, on the little glimpses of the glory that's coming. Lord, I pray that your presence in us would be real, that we would feel led by the Spirit, that those first fruits of the Spirit would stir up in us a confidence of what is to come. Father, please, work in us. Give us hope. In Jesus' name, amen.